When you add resources or programs to your campus or district, how do you decide what students receive these new opportunities? This week's guest, Sandra Jo Galvan, shares how when presented an opportunity to add multiple resources to her district, she made sure all students had the same resources at their fingertips, and she explains how to build partnerships with community businesses to expand your students' experiences. Also in this episode, we discuss first steps when leading in a new district, building trust with members of your team, and instilling social-emotional health during the pandemic. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Sandra, thank you so much for being on the Aspire Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a pleasure to be here. So before we talk about a lot of different topics, from you being a superintendent to all the wonderful projects that you've got going on with your students, can you just share a little bit about your leadership journey? Absolutely. So proud superintendent of the Greenfield Union School District here in Monterey County, California. Uh, My leadership journey took me from a young girl sitting in the classrooms that I now serve as the superintendent. So I am homegrown. I was kindergartner, joining our schools at a very young age, but always aspiring to be the leader of the district. For some reason, I just knew that was something that I wanted to do, and I'm I'm very proud to lead our organization at this time. That's awesome. So I want to talk about your, your journey a little bit more because you obviously were a teacher at one point. What made it to the point where you felt like you wanted to become a leader, maybe an administrator someday? Yeah, so as a young kid, I had a lot of influencers and there's definitely people that make a a significant impact on our lives and just want us to to do good. And so I'll start with my family. Uh, You're out in Texas. So we are we have our family are born and raised in in West Texas um, here in the United States. And so with that, my journey was a lot about my parents Mm -hmm. and how they uh, just instilled in me as a as a young age to be a giver and just be a nurturer and to support those around me. And to go the extra mile to help support another person in that journey. And so always wanted to serve others. Mm-hmm. We led to us coming out to California in the 60s and my big sister, who happens to be the oldest in our family, I'm the youngest, I'm the baby of the family, she was a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so when she started her first year as a kindergarten teacher, I was a fifth grader on the same campus right here in Greenfield. Oh wow. And to see her in action and just see her eyes light up when she told and read stories to the kids and I got to be go over there on my lunchtime and read to kids too. And so at an early age, my family really, truly impacted me through the, just that giving you know, atmosphere, but also watching my, te- my sister in action as a teacher made it come alive for me. I want to know, you were principal of a school? No, I was actually a central office administrator, more okay. as an assistant of curriculum and instruction prior to coming to, to this role. That's amazing. So you, know, you started off in that role. What did that role entail? So as an assistant soup of educational services, it was kind of everything. I didn't do that in Greenfield, I did that in a neighboring district, but after becoming a teacher, I went into administration and really was program-based. And so I ran programs for English learners, for professional development, for new teachers, for veteran teachers. I ran the gate program, the migrant program, um, was in charge of all the budgets, like anything you can think of which educational services in a district, I got to run. And so it really developed my skill set as a leader in really making sure I connected with all different levels of the organization from the parent community to our labor partners, as well as colleagues and fellow administrators in other districts. So a lot of different things that it encompassed, but it gave me all those skills as I let it get, got into this position. Yeah. So as a assistant superintendent, did that role kind of open the door for you as superintendent? And when was it where you were like, 
wow, I really want to lead an entire district. Yeah, so definitely that. Like, I didn't know when I wanted to be superintendent. You know, in California, our state retirement system is quite a long one. So 62, (laughs) so it's like, ah, do I want to do it yet? Do I want to, like, do your thing? And I loved being an assistant soup. Curriculum and instruction is, like, my jam. Like, I love anything standards-based and anything, like, with teaching and learning, like, I love that. Like, that's my passion. And I love teaching teachers to get better at their craft and and highlighting teachers who are already doing phenomenal things. Like, it's just powerful to be able to learn and collaborate with others and see things in a different way that you might not have seen it that reaches kids. Like, our end goal is to reach kids and to make sure that they are thriving in that post-secondary world. And so all of that, I loved. And so leaving that role where I was just so connected with the professional development world, Um, And then going into the superintendent was like, oh, shoot, like, am I going to have to give that up to lead the district? And yes, in some terms, you know, I I did have to give up that being an everyday eight hour job to where now I get to still do it. Like I still teach teachers as a superintendent. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's the only way to stay connected and to understand the temperature within the classroom is to continue to always grow as a leader in that capacity. And so you'll see me on the weekends, you'll see me in the evenings, like just teaching teachers still um, within my district because I love it. it You are now in the superintendent role. You are assessing the district. What was one of the first things that you said, "I, I really need to address this right away? So I could take you back four years ago. So I've been in this role for four years now, reaching the end of my fourth year. And first thing, you know, as a superintendent coming back, because I was, I was in Greenfield and this is where I taught and where I went to school and where I was a teacher first. Then I left for 10 years and then I came back. Mm -hmm. So when I came back, you know, things had changed over the course of 10 years and superintendents had come and gone and, you know, some, some good, some not so good. And, and the, the trust with the relationship with the, with the GSD family, um, you know, staff members was different. You know, there was some that they knew me and I was coming back. They already knew that what I was all about because they they taught with me. And then others were like, who's this gal? Like, what is she, you know, what's her story? What's she all about? What's she going to give to our organization? And so my very first year, I had to assess and really listen. And I'm, I'm a really good listener and I'm really good at building relationships and trying to understand people first and then the work second. So that was really important to me. So that first year, you know, I, I, I did a lot of listening and I, I learned some things that we had going really great for ourselves and some things that we could improve on. And in those improvement steps, I would tell you, um, in order to break kids free from the cycle of poverty, you have to have systems into place. Mm-hmm. You have to have organiz- organizational structures that are conducive to student learning, that are conducive to collaborative dialogue, that are conducive to mapping standards and connecting assessments that are frequent and formative that help us have some indication about where kids are going. And if they're not getting there, then how are we gonna pause, reflect and do something about it? So those particular systems weren't necessarily at 100% yet. We had some really great rock stars that were doing some great things, but they might've been in private practice, not in general practice. So we might've had a teacher going down the corner that were doing just you know teaching her heart out, but the teacher next door was teaching in a different way. Mm-hmm. So having a guaranteed viable curriculum was really important to me. So I took us on a journey. I don't know if you're familiar. It's a national organization called Solution Tree. And so yep. partnered with Solution Tree and part, uh, professional learning communities. And just we went on a journey. And that very first year, we said, OK, we don't have our common assessments mapped from preschool all the way through to the secondary. So let's talk about that. And let's tap on some experts within our organization and outside. And let's figure out how we can do that. So 
thankfully today, we've been on that journey for those last few years. Today, we're in a completely different place than we were four years ago. Yeah. And you went into any classroom in our district, you'll see teachers jamming on those essential standards. They, are, they know exactly what common frequent assessment is gonna tell them and give them the information they need to make some decisions about students. And they're gonna be able to lean on their neighbor because they're teaching the same kinds of essential standards and getting results. And so that in itself has been a powerful journey, but it took us you know, four years to get there. Well, and that's yeah. probably a good way to talk about leadership in anything. When you're in a new role, it usually takes several years for you to start implementing your own vision. Yes, absolutely. Let's absolutely. talk about the relationship building, right? Because you come in as a superintendent. Some people know you, some people don't because of the duration of time you were gone. So what were some tools and, and tricks that you used to help build those relationships quick enough so that you could create a standard assessment or, like you said, you know, bring in Solution Tree to, to have um, that alignment within your curriculum? That's a great question. And so I think trust takes time. And so, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people. So going into faculty meetings, going into walking around a lot and talking to people, learning about them and, and what is their greatest accomplishment here in Greenfield? Like, what are they most proud of? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the things that they know we can do better? And I just collected a lot of informal data through conversations with family members here. And I call them GSD, I don't call them staff or employees, I call them GSD staff family. And so they know that we're a family member. If one of us is not succeeding, we're gonna step in and help support them. And so in that sense, you know, we are a family and we, we all are in it to help support our kids and break them free from the cycle of poverty. And so in that sense, just really listening was a big part of it. Having informal meetings with union leaders, formal meetings and informal, just figuring out, you know, where, where have we gone wrong as a district? What have we really done right? Mm -hmm. We can accentuate that and then improve in those areas. And then as far as the relationship building, it's as simple as asking people how they're doing, like, and genuinely listening. So, and, and doing fun things together as a staff. So I'll tell you a couple things that I did my very first year. I brought Halloween back. So like costumes and parades, they hadn't dressed up in costumes and parades for years. And I remember when I left 10 years prior, we had a Halloween parade down the main drag of Greenfield, <laughs> but it went away. Why? Because somewhere along the way, they said we weren't, weren't improving at the rate we needed to. So let's take away all the fun stuff mm -hmm. and let's focus on academics. Well, guess what? That wasn't really going anywhere for us. So in order for your folks, my folks, to do the heavy cognitive lifting, they had to believe in their leader. They had to believe in each other. They had to be able to have a good time with each other in order to do that heavy academic types of mapping that we needed them to do. And so I brought Halloween back. They all dressed up that first October and they loved it. They People who are appreciated, I'll tell you, do a lot more and they go that extra mile. Not because they have to, but because they want to. And so having Halloween back, the other thing that I brought back that first year is we had a December winter break party. And I mean, we didn't pay for the party. And what I did is I tapped on the shoulder of all of our vendors. We buy snap-on tools. We have architects that come and we, we give them millions of dollars to build our schools, but we don't tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, listen, I want to have a staff party and I need a few thousand dollars to pay for the food. <laughs> I gave you a million. Can you give me a thousand? And they're like, of course, Xander, we'll do that for you. So that very first year, we had a December party out remotely and just brought people together with food, with dancing, with prizes. And it was all on the dime of our vendors and our partners. Mm. But what did it do for staff? 
they were so excited to just celebrate together. Um, and we did the same thing at the end of the year and we've been doing it ever since. And then the pandemic hit, right? <laughs> and put our parties out of pause. So we can't wait for it to be over so that we can bring our staff back together. But they know that, that I'm all about it, that our district is all about celebrating people first so that we can do the work second. Yeah, the power of allowing people to have a voice, but then also to celebrate them. That Those are two wonderful things that you brought to your district. And the pandemic right now, obviously every person in the country is affected, everyone in the world, let's say that, is affected by it. But then also you talked about breaking the cycle of poverty with your students and your community. And so that kind of leads me to the social emotional piece. I know you do a lot of work with that, not only for your students, but for your adults. So will you just share with the listeners about what you do with SEL work? Sure. And so, well, first and foremost, you know, as teachers, as leaders within our district, we want to make sure that both our staff family and our students and our community really within those students is taken care of. And so how do we do that? And so first, right away, I'll tell you when the pandemic hit and everyone pretty much nationwide, March 13th was it for us right here in Greenfield. And we heard that, you know, the governor was going to put us on an executive order. We were on lockdown. We weren't going to be able to welcome our kids back on that Monday. So the first thing that came to my mind is, okay, I need to rally my troops. I need to rally my cabinet, which is my executive leadership team, my assistant Sue, you know, our, our directors and say, okay, I need you to know what's happening. So I worked from concentric circles out. We need you to know what's happening. And then from there, we need to notify our community because they need to know that their kids aren't gonna come back to school on Monday and we're gonna have a plan in place. And then I needed to also include our labor partners, our teachers and them to say, here are the things we need to do. We need to you know, get all the deployment of all the technology. We need to temporarily, while we're doing that, we need to get some packets copied so the students have some learning. We need you to have you know, your rosters and all of the Zoom that we didn't have any knowledge of back then, you know, a contract with them so that we could engage our students. Luckily, we were a Google Apps for Education District, so we had some things into place. Yep. So there was a lot of cognitive, heavy, logistical things we needed to do. But I, I told them all to take a pause. I said, we need to take care of each other first. So on Monday, when we come back, here's what we're going to do. We are going to have some wellness support. I'm going to bring in someone to talk with you about what you're feeling, how we're going to rally this together. Um, I brought in two really phenomenal people that I, I think highly of. Ken Williams, who is, you know, really unfold the soul. If you don't follow him already, he's just a great leader through the Solution Tree family about just making sure they're taken care of. And then Tina um, Bugrin, who's also really about social emotional support, also part of that family that's just knows how to tend to the self and really self-care and wellness in order to do all the other heavy stuff. So I talked with them and I invited them on that Monday to talk with our teacher teams, short little snippets of information. And then I asked my teacher teams and my staff to call kids, get on the phone, get on your roster, use the phone. You don't have to use your own cell phone. Get on, you know, Google, Google meet or Google voice. It's, it's free and make some calls call our kids, ask them what they're eating for breakfast, ask them how, who they're playing with, ask them how they're doing, because none of them knew on Friday when we left that they weren't coming back. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we need to do to tend to them. So my kind of direction for everyone in our organization was just call people and check on them. The work will be there, but let's just make sure they're okay and, and reassure them that we're going to get on, get through this together. So after that, the things that we did was Wellness Wednesdays in our school district. We did yoga, we did Zumba, we did, you know, just different things to connect. We did cooking classes for them and we engaged our parent community as well in those kinds of efforts. And so in order for us to do, you know, the, the hard work together, um, they do need to know that, that we support them, we care for them. And the same thing translated to kids. 
we have counselors at every one of our schools. And so they designed lessons so that every single lesson at an introduction of every day is about wellness and self-care and taking care of yourself as a student and your family yourself. Um, and all of that, we still have true today. So every lesson starting off any Greenfield uh, instructional day is about self-care and wellness for our kids. Well, it's true. You have students first behind you on this big, large sign. <laughs> and, <laughs> all means all. <laughs> there you go. And it's very evident based on the social emotional learning that you're doing with your students. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. One of the main themes I think that I've heard is you talk about partnering with companies within the community to help. And so I'm just wondering if there's other opportunities that you found with partnering with businesses to help with either your elementary students or your post-secondary. So there's a few partnerships that we have that I'm very, very proud of. And um, I'm big on social media. I have a presence out there and so does our district. And so we like to highlight our kids. You know, we, we do the good stuff. We, we paint all the positive that they're doing because they deserve that. Our staff deserves to be highlighted. Our kids deserve to be highlighted. And in that journey of highlighting just the wonderfulness that is happening here in our district, we get discovered by companies that say, hey, we'd like to invest in you because you look like you're doing some pretty good things for kids. And so in that kind of journey, Lego Education discovered Greenfield and said, hey, we'd like to invest in you and do some really powerful things. And there's grants that we have that we could definitely um, support your school district. And so we spent a lot of money, but they also offered some really great incentives to our kids. And so with that, we have robots in every single one of our classrooms that kids are able to tinker with in order to just really develop those skills when it comes to coding, engineering, and design, and all those really great things. So in preschool, they have Legos in their hands and mini robots to really design those things. And then in kindergarten, they take those a little deeper, first grade, all the way through our secondary level, so that when kids aspire to be an engineer, or aspire to be a mathematician or technology and want to like work for Google and the Silicon Valley is only an hour away from us and want to get a job with Google or get a job with Apple. Mm -hmm. The playing field is there. And the other partner that really discovered us that we're very proud of, you know, being one of the only West Coast, the only West Coast district that partners with them is Apple Education. Nice. So Apple Education and their worldwide rep happens to live here in Monterey County and discovered us also through some of the things that we were doing and and said, wait a minute, so you're not buying, you know, like the Evolution 3 robotics just for certain classes? And I said, no, we're buying them for every kid. Wait, wait, wait. So you're buying like the We Do mini robots and the coding that you use with your, your devices for all kids? And that was kind of a stunner for them. They're like, yeah, I said, all means all. In Greenfield, if we do it for one kid, we're doing it for all of them because I don't, who gets to pick and choose? Like, who's going to choose? Oh, yeah, you're getting it, but you're not. Like, I don't, I'm not going to predetermine the success of a kid. Yeah. I give them all of those experiences and allow them to make the decision about their future, right? So in those sense, we're partnering with Lego, we're partnering with Apple. And then in that adventure or that venture, also FIRST. And so FIRST is a worldwide organization that is for inspiration, robotics, science, and technology. And so that's a competition that kids get to go and compete against other kids in building robots. And those robots in the secondary level cost anywhere from $25,000 to $30,000 just to design that robot. Oh, wow. And very fortunate that first Lego and Apple are sponsoring our kids to be able to enter competitions that cost like $400 per team to enter 
into these. And so we're really excited about that participation because it's only going to expose our kids to what's outside of Greenfield and just open their eyes to opportunities. So you're obviously putting resources toward your students to aspire to work with STEM in some sort of fashion. I love that. I also want to kind of pivot a little bit about aspiring leaders in your district. What are you doing for them to help their leadership journey? Absolutely. So with our leadership team, we continue to, we meet weekly, sometimes bi-monthly, just to do professional development topics that help support them. So anything we do for teachers, we do for our leaders. So our leadership team knows exactly how to build out a robot because they were part of the design team when we did professional development. And then anyone else within our organization, we provide opportunities for them. Like if they want to be a school principal or if they want to be an academic coach, we give them that opportunity to really learn from others within the district and see if that's something that they want to do as well. And so I am um, proud of every single GSD family member, like so proud of them and the, how they've stepped up during the pandemic to do things like any one of them would be, I would welcome in a heartbeat to be part of our leadership team because they are already leaders of their classroom. They're already leaders of our nutrition centers, of our school offices. So if they said to me, I wanna be a teacher or I wanna be an administrator, we would absolutely sponsor them in that capacity because they've been already, they've been proving it since March that anything is possible when you have a team that loves on kids, but loves on each other and wants them to succeed. Yeah, so Xander, for those who are listening that are looking to enhance their leadership skills, what is one or two things that they could do today, tomorrow, next week to really help them build their leadership capacity? Oh, wow, that's a great question. And so I would say advice for them is to get involved and to network, number one. To get on Twitter, to get on Instagram, to get on you know even Facebook and, and notice who's out there as the leaders. And, and something new that we're into now is Clubhouse, right? Yeah. That's all new platform where you can listen in on people like just jamming away about things that are they're passionate about doing those kinds of things and exposing yourself if you stay here in your lane you have your blinders on you only see what's in front of you but if you are willing to network and to build out circles that are then exposing you to things that are possible out there you open your eyes to opportunities um, you and I, I mean, us having this podcast is something that we met each other through social media and through a, a common friend that we have such admire for, um, Adam Welcome, yeah. who's just a phenomenal podcaster and principal in his own right. And and we were able to connect because of that network. And so um, after today, you know, the listeners that are that have the opportunity, I just tell them to follow some really great people on social media to really look at what they're doing, take advantage of listening in on podcasts, listening in on um, other opportunities that people have, because that's what will open your eyes to opportunities. And, and a couple of things that I'm part of that also I'm very proud of is um, a couple of networks and organizations here in California, which is CALSA, which is a California Association of Latino Superintendents and Administrators who really, their job, you don't have to be Latin <laughs> to join it as a leader, but you just care about children of color. Yep. And you want to make sure that they're advanced at the same rate as, as anyone else is. So that organization I'm part of, and then AXA, the Association of California School Administrators, we also network and support each other, aspiring leaders, as well as those that are already in those positions. And then the final one I'll tell you is a sister circle. You know, I am female, and so I have to give a holler out to those women out there. I am so proud of my sister circle. I have a cross-section of ladies that I text with all the time and lead and a couple of us are superintendents, a couple of us are school principals. Some of us are, you know, CEOs of, of companies like Q, Computer Using Educators is big mm -hmm. out here, as well as um, others that are district level. And what we do for each other is just network. We give each other advice. If somebody's needing something that, 
know, they're not sure how to navigate an, a memorandum of understanding with their labor partners. We offer ours. Like, here's what we've had success with. Or if they say, I don't know, you know, retention is coming back. Like, you know, what do we do with this um, learning loss and retention? Are you going to retain kids? And we're like, nah, let me give you the board policy and the, you know, administrative regulations that'll help support you in that journey as you navigate. What do we do when kids are not succeeding yet? And so we share resources. So my advice for leaders is find someone on social media that you can follow, reach out to them personally, message them, you know, direct message them and say, hey, would you be willing to meet up with me and, and find out about my role and what I do? Absolutely. There's so many people out there that would love to do that. I do that frequently. People will message me and say, hey, I, I saw you post this. Would you be willing to share? And I'm like, absolutely. You want to Zoom? You want to talk and have a conversation? Because when you strengthen your relationships with others, kids win. Kids everywhere win. And that's that's really the big thing about as you aspire to be a leader, you absolutely have opportunities to do that with others. That's wonderful. And you talked about having people connect on social media. So how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So on Twitter, my handle is at ZJ Galvan, Z-J-G-A-L-V-A-N. On Instagram, it's at Zan Galvan. So the first three letters of my name, Z-A-N, and then my last name, Galvan. And then on LinkedIn, Xander Joe Galvan. And then on Facebook, uh, Xander Joe Galvan as well. So happy to connect with anyone that's out there and thought of something in this podcast that they might want to learn more about. Absolutely would, would be willing to help and support. Yes, make sure that you are connecting with Xandra on all those social media platforms, and we'll have those links in the show notes. Xandra, I am so appreciative of your time. I just love learning from you and hearing about all the wonderful things that you're doing in your community. Thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me, and I hope uh, you have a really great evening.